I'm Danny Hicks. Welcome to the Not-So-Secret Agent Podcast, where we learn from top real estate agents how they maintain a thriving business all while living the good life. Welcome to the program, Scott Wurtzbacher. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come on this and uh, sit down with me. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, psyched to be here, Danny. Thanks for having me. Super excited to get... Now, we're going to go ahead and get right into this because there are so many things um, that I want to talk about that are both real estate and not real estate because... Uh, for, for sure. There, there, you have, you have a lot of things that, that we should be talking about. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you got into real estate. Yeah. So, um, I actually started as a real estate investor, really. Um, my first job was in corporate America. I was traveling a lot. Um, almost a hundred percent, like on an airplane on Sunday night and home on Friday night. And I guess a couple of things happened in that. And I was just doing like client work, but a few things happened in that all the time in hotels and all the time in um, airports and on planes, I just had essentially time to kill. And I got tired of reading, reading novels. And so I ended up reading a lot of like wealth building books and personal finance and such. And real estate just kept coming up over and over and over again as like the number one tool for wealth building. And so I was like, wow, this is pretty awesome. And so one summer, um, my wife, who uh, is also in the Buffini system, Maria, um, many of your listeners probably know her as well. She was a fourth grade teacher. And so she mm -hmm. had summers off. And um, one year we decided like, hey, instead of just like taking this mall job that you've been doing, like, why don't we buy an investment property and we can work on it over the summer while you're not in school? And mm -hmm. so that's what we did. We bought an old duplex and we fixed it up and, um, you know, I'd get on the plane and go travel to my client site and Maria would spend the whole week managing contractors and painting and doing all kinds of stuff, learning about how to fix up a house. And, uh, at the end of the summer, um, we just felt like it was a huge success. We were able to get that place rented out and, uh, mm -hmm. kind of looked back and, um, those were the days where you could do some different things with financing. Like you could, um, get a, you could get a property after you've done some sweat equity, you could reappraise it and refinance it right away and, mm -hmm. and even pull your money back out. And so we did that. And, um, you know, I don't know that it's as easy to do that today as it used to be, but just had a great experience. And so, um, we said, Hey, you know, maybe there's something to this real estate thing. And so we started building our own, um, portfolio of investment properties and um, one thing led to the next and it was like, hey, maybe if we had a real estate license, it would help us facilitate this whole thing. So, you know, the next logical step is to get a real estate license to help our investment portfolio and the buying and the selling. And then people mm -hmm. started asking us for help. Um, so that's essentially where the real estate brokerage um, W Realty Group was born. Yeah, I have a lot of my investors that uh, that that talk about that and going and doing it. But I think you took it a step further where you actually learn to be a realtor. I get a lot of them where they're like, yeah, no, when when we sell it, then we'll use us. And we won't have to pay you. And I'm like, yeah, but uh, you're buying a house for $100,000 or whatever on the front end. There's not a lot of money in that. Why wouldn't I give it to somebody who's going to sell it with me in the end? Like, why would I go find you that deal? But I think, you, like I said, you took it a step further and kind of actually learned the whole process as opposed to trying to use it as like a hack or a cheat or a, which I think that's really cool. I do it like a lot of investment stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm very in that world. Well, there's like, there's a bunch that you said there that we could, we could, we could go in a bunch of different directions and unpack because, you know, now like 21 years in the real estate brokerage business, like I 
licensed in North and South Carolina, but I've purchased properties in other parts of the state. And mm -hmm. I always use an agent to represent me because I don't know those markets. Right. So exactly. like, I understand the value of working with somebody that knows a local market, has the local connections. And frankly, like I value time more than I value money. I mean, I'd rather pay somebody that has the experience to keep me out of trouble to do that sort of thing for me. And, uh, you know, I think it's good for them. It's good for me. It's good. It's good for everybody, really. Um, but yeah, I think the, the whole move into brokerage, um, honestly, that was kind of tied to my, my situation where I was traveling so much, you know, I had done that, that I'd lived that life of travel for five or six years and it was just starting to wear on me. Maria and I were newly married, starting to think about maybe it's time to have kids. And I just didn't love the idea of being on the road all the time. So we were always looking for ways to get me off the road. So we were having fun with this investment path. Um, mm. but then when people started asking us for help, we started saying, okay, like, well, we can, we can help people and there's a, you know, immediate revenue stream there and the cash flow of a commission income. Right. So right. now we've got our investment portfolio on this side and our, you know, really like an a, a, a ability to produce a cash flow over here. And, and the truth is, I mean, we've still got uh, an a investment portfolio. That's still a big port, part of what we do. But that's really mm -hmm. more like a long-term kind of retirement strategy. That's the, the investment side is not really a cash flow generator for us. So like that's a retirement plan. The real estate business is the cash flow and they fit very nicely together. Yeah, for sure. And, and for anybody who's interested in investment, that's always how it is. Very, very rarely do you buy cash flow rental properties and they're going to supplement because really truthfully, a good cash flow rental property might be making 25%, maybe, you know what I mean? Like you're not, it's just not generating the revenue that would replace an income immediately. For um, sure. And, and as soon as you think it does, like, bam, it's time for a new roof. Bam, it's time yeah. for a new air conditioner. So <laughs> well, that's, that's super true because that's the other thing that I always make. The other argument I always make is you don't truly earn that money. You're borrowing it from the house. But at any point, the house can come and take it back from right. what you just said. Right. Like new exactly. roof, new water heater, all that money that you made, you know, you could you can wipe out five years worth of this profit in, in a one foul swoop, no problem. Yeah, no question. But but on but, the long term, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I was just gonna kind of pivot from there. I mean, I just um, I I think my my I truly do love the real estate industry, and I love real estate. Um, and I love it as a wealth building tool. And I think fundamentally at the, at the core of it all, like what connects me to real estate and what, like where, what really fuels me in the real, real estate industry is just the idea of real estate as an investment. Um, it, I really like, you know, you hear the cliche things like that's the best way to build wealth, but like, you know, I read it in the books, I believed it, but over time and over 20 years of actually doing it, like starting to actually see it, you know, the, the, the mortgage balances are starting to come down, the equity's going mm -hmm. up, the rent's going up, like it does have this compounding effect and it really is a magnificent tool. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, from what you said from the very beginning, it is a long-term play and eventually you will get to a point where it will cash flow and it will, you know, appreciate obviously. So you mentioned the brokerage. Do you, what is your team structured like? Is it just you and Maria now or? Yeah. So um, I, I just kind of the evolution of it. People ask me often, like, you know, did I ever work for a firm? How did that all work? 
when I got into the business 20 years ago, you actually in North Carolina, you didn't, you could just get a broker license and start your own firm. It's not that way anymore. But basically when we got into the business, that's, that was the situation. And because we were creating a firm in order to just facilitate our own buying and selling, we didn't like, we didn't even go look at brokerages. Like it wasn't even on our radar. So we just kind of created our own firm to sort of do our own thing. And the first client that ever asked us to help them, like it literally happened. I was like speaking to somebody driving down the road and like, it was kind of funny because, um, he actually called me because we were like searching for investment deals and we had just purchased something and we didn't, we were not in a place to buy. Um, and so this guy had called me with an opportunity. I was like, I'd really love to be able to help you, but we're tapped out. But my wife has a real estate license and I'd love to connect you guys and maybe she can help you sell it. And like, without even missing a beat, the guy goes, okay. And I was like, oh, what do we do now? We didn't even have a real estate sign. So the first he, thing I did like, was I I'm went home realtor. and I called like a local sign shop and I just had them put a big blue W on a, a big corrugated piece of, you know, sign and wrote for sale with our phone number on it. And our firm W Realty Group was born. Uh, it was pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say that all of the the months of looking at graphics and sending things off and trying nope. to get the perfect, you were like, nope, W, here we go, done. But that's uh, right. And it's funny because like 20 years later, like we have had some periods where we're like, okay, that happened pretty quickly. Maybe we should put some thought into like, should we rebrand? Should we change the name? Like, but you know, we've we've had lots of meetings and lots of discussions about it. Um, I will say W is a lot easier than Wurzbacher. So a lot of people are like, what's, you know, what's the W stand for? And then when they find out my last name, they go, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> you need a bigger sign. You're going to need a bigger <laughs> sign That's for right. that one. <laughs> the homeowners so, associations yeah. wouldn't allow those dimensions. <laughs> yeah. That's a billboard. Wait, you can't <laughs> even see right. the house. Yeah. That That's sort exactly of thing. Right. So, so now it's a brokerage, right? You've, so yeah, so the... yeah, sorry, I just took you on a big old tangent. But yeah, so it was just Maria and I um, pretty quick. I was a management consultant before real estate. And so like from day one, I was like building flow charts and graphs and sort of like, just sort of organically systemizing our business and, and sort of like mapping out what we wanted it to look like. Um, so I would think within uh, two or three months of me leaving my full-time job and going to work with Maria uh, full-time, we had hired an assistant because I think we just saw the value of having somebody that could help us with the administrative piece. Um, and it just kind of grew. And um, and I can tell you, like we, um, I'll, I'll say we used uh, Gary Keller's Millionaire Real Estate Agent book from the mm -hmm. very beginning. That was kind of like our manual for how to operate. And it was sort of I think there's eight sort of stages in that book. And we were just kind of like knocking out each stage. And um, we got through the first few stages before the market basically blew up in 2008. And mm -hmm. we basically had to go back to just Maria and I. So from like 2009 until I think 2011, it was just the two of us nose to the ground worrying just like everybody else <laughs> trying to figure out how the heck we were going to get through it. Um, and then I think we started to see the light in like 2012, 2013, hired a, an assistant back and then started rebuilding the team again. Um, and, you know, even then, like our team got up to, I think, as many as 11 people, like 2018, maybe. And, you know, now we're back down. It's markets tightening up. We're back down to six right now. So I was going to say a lot of the bigger teams are, are starting to see exodus of people like 
the basically the team members are going, wait, I'm not making what I was. And, you know, rather than digging in to go find something, they're kind of going, all right, I'm going to go on my own and I'll do less business and I'll get to keep everything. And some of those people works out and some of those people are out of real estate right now. Yeah, that's um, true. But that's been a common theme with a lot of the team leaders I've talked to. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think some of it is like, I love the saying, like, you know what you know, you don't know what you know. There's things that you, you know, you don't know. And then there's things you don't know, you don't know. Sorry, I try to say mm-hmm. that five times fast. It's a lot. But I think like some people like know what they're doing when they go do something else. Other people just kind of see like, oh, I'm just going to go do this thing. And then they find out how hard it is <laughs> right, mm-hmm. to, go, to go do it themselves. It's, um, you know, so I think intention is a big is a big piece there. But yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's, um, you know, I mean, I think that the real estate agent market fluctuates just as much as the real estate market itself. True. Quite true. What are you doing right now to generate business? So what what nuance? We're all doing calls, notes, and Popeyes, but who are you calling? You know what what what's working right now? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I want to like ask you when you say nuance because I was actually thinking about this question a little bit this morning. Mm-hmm. I knew that was one of the questions that you were going to ask me, and I promised the Buffini and Company folks didn't pay me to say this, but I think like I think when we get caught up in, in nuance. And like, you know, I, I, I think we have to be careful to make sure that nuance doesn't become the shiny object because it right. really is like notes calls. Like it's, it's the fundamentals. It's like getting in front of your client, right? It's like face to face, voice to voice. It's like, it's all that stuff. And, and that's the thing that works. Mm-hmm. And um, I think for us, the consistency of doing that over time is what's helped. And I think right now, like, for us, I think that the consistency that we've delivered to our clients for 20 years is um, really carrying us through this hard time. It's hard right now. There's no question. And our business is down. Um, but I think a lot of the legwork that we've done and a lot of the relationships that we've built over time um, are paying dividends now as it's hard because we are still hearing from a lot of our clients that we've worked with in the past. Um, but like to your point, and as Brian always says, it's a contact sport. So we have to make sure we're always staying in front of our clients. Personally, I like, I, uh, where I thrive is like authentic contact. Like Mm -hmm. it's, and and when I say that, like, I just, you know, I've always struggled with the, like, Hey, how you doing? How's it going? Just checking in. Okay. How you doing? Okay. We'll talk to you later. Like I, if I have a reason where I can like get in front of somebody authentically and, and feel that, like I have to feel it. If it feels forced, it doesn't feel good. Um, but if I can find ways to authentically connect with people, like that's my favorite. And, and, um, honestly, like sitting down with people face to face over coffee is my jam. And I am, a, I am, I have become a coffee snob over time. Okay. And, uh, that's just part of my thing. <laughs> so you're calling them up and just saying, Hey, let's grab a coffee. I'd love to catch up with you. That's yeah. your reason for calling. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. I think that's, I think that's great. I mean, a lot of the nuances like what's going to make me dial that phone when we get into that weird in, you know, there's always going to be the people you you always hit off and, and they're awesome and easy and you're going to call them and that's going to be great. But then you get down to the C's in your database and maybe like we're doing the referral directory right now. So what I'm doing is I'm calling and I'm saying, hey, you know, who do you recommend? What businesses do you love that just do a great job? Tell me about an experience that you had. It could be any business, uh, you know, and I'm checking in and I'm seeing how the kids are and all those things. But it's an authentic reason to call. Yeah. 
And then generally I get another phone number of a contractor and I call them and I say, Hey, look, this is what I'm doing and explain to them, you know, I want to help you get business. So-and-so said you did a great job, that sort of thing. So it's kind of like a twofold kind of thing, but that's, that's the sort of thing. I still think it, to your point, it's an authentic relationship. It's definitely like I'm asking them for help on something that we're working on. You know, that sort of campaign is one of the things that I like. Um, but I but it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. Does, and I think you sense? nailed it. I, th- I think you said um, like being excited about the reason why you're calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes like, sometimes I feel like I have to pump myself up about it. Sometimes I have to like, you know, almost like fool my mind. Like I, that doesn't really work that well. Like I really need something truly that I'm excited about, but like I can give you a couple examples. Like I'm on a, a board of a nonprofit and they're having like a, a breakfast, a fundraising breakfast coming up. And mm-hmm. like, I'm part of that. And like, I want to be a good board member, but it's also a cause that I'm really passionate about. And so like reaching out to clients to say, Hey, I want to invite you to this thing that I'm participating in. Like, that's really easy. And a couple of mm-hmm. weeks ago, I was able to knock out like a hundred contacts, um, just inviting people to this breakfast and like, you know, hopefully, you know, 20 or 30 of those people are actually going to show up. And then that gives me another, another reason to connect with them. But like, as I sit here talking to you, I'm, I'm saying this, like I did those things so that I could get real estate referrals. And for that particular organization, I can tell you like, that's the farthest thing from the truth. Like for that organization, I'm doing it because I want to help the organization. But I also recognize sitting here talking to you that it's got like a, you know, there's a compounding effect, like it, multiple purposes there. Well, you have, you have something in common. There's something to link you. You're inviting them to something where you're equals. It's not, there's no expectation of them buying a house, but don't get me wrong. A guy who has uh, principles and morals aligned with me, who happens to be really good at his job and I'm going to hire somebody. Yeah, no, that's who I'm going to hire. Like I'm, you know, we're hanging out anyway. That's, those are always the best ones where it's like, you know, we would hang out and have, you know, coffee regardless, but yeah. you know, I want to buy a house and you sell houses. So this is going to work out great. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think, I think the key there is, and I do actually think over the years I've seen, sometimes this gets lost. Those people that you're connecting with authentically, they have to know what you do. Cause sometimes people like, I think mm-hmm. Brian, well, this is your, you're saying like the not so secret agent, right? Like, I mean, right. people have to know what you're doing, right? Like if you're, if you're out there connecting with people, but you're, you're too modest and humble to let them know what you do and let them know that you're willing to help them. And you like, you know, it's, I think that, I think there's a fundamental piece there where you, you there has to be a baseline where people know what you do. Yeah. And, and it's your job to get that across, yeah. you know, and through all of it, telling the stories of clients you've helped or, you know, an experience or giving tidbits of information. Now, Hopefully you do the marketing well enough that you're, you don't have to bring it up every conversation. <laughs> like yeah. there's nothing like Bob Vance from uh, the office. You remember that show? Every time, <laughs> I do. every yeah. time the guy introduced himself, he was like Bob Vance, Vance refrigeration. Like exactly. I think, I think for me, like the, um, like the mailings, I mean, I think this is where like social media and the mailings and, you know, whether it's digital or paper mail, like, I think that's where you can demonstrate that I, to me, that's where you can remind people what you mm-hmm. do. And then when you're like in person with them, like they already know, cause they're getting your mail. I mean, you know, how often like, are you 
in some kind of a thing where you have that authentic relationship and they say to you like, oh, I got your postcard that you sold such and such, or I got your item of value that you sent me last week about credit mm-hmm. reports, you know? So I think for me, I think that's the stuff where it's like reminding them that you're in the business. You don't even necessarily have to talk about it if you're doing those pieces, if you're sending out the the drip stuff. Yeah. And it, you know, occasionally you remind them who you're looking for kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I always, I always try to make it funny. I'm like, eh, I had to get it in. You, you know, it's part of the profession. It's in my contract. My bad. I love it. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. And you know, everybody's like, ha ha. Okay. Yeah. But you, you make light definitely of it. Yeah. have a real relationship with them also. It's not yeah. just call and ask you for, you know, who do you know that wants to buy a house? Yeah. Yeah. That would get really annoying really quickly. They'd probably stop answering your phone call very quickly on that. <laughs> what other tweaks are you making to the system? You, because one thing that I know you're passionate about, and we were talking about that before we even came on, mm-hmm. is kind of your adventures and your travels and that sort of thing. So a lot of this, what you do, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, is use real estate as a vehicle to get to the fun stuff. But in order to do that and to be away for the amount of time you're away to do the fun stuff, you've got to be pretty organized and, and nailed down and buttoned up and systemized to make that happen. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, honestly, we talked about authenticity a little bit and I, and I'll share, I mean, having been in the business for as long as I have and kind of moving into the so-called second half of life, um, you know, I'm like, authenticity is becoming increasingly more important to me. And, and what Mm -hmm. that means to me really is, um, learning myself, learning to, um, understand myself and really get to know who I am as opposed to, just trying to live up to an image that I have in myself of who I think I'm supposed to be, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. And so I yeah. say all that, say like um, a few years ago, um, I was on a camping trip with my family and um, I'm somebody that thinks about meaning and purpose a lot. And we were on this camping trip. And, <laughs> yeah, Very global. Uh, that's right. Um, so we're on the banks of this campground, this campsite overlooking a lake and there's like conifers in the background and the sun's setting and I'm just watching this view and we're in the middle of nowhere. We're in uh, the Boundary Waters canoe area of Minnesota. There's nobody around. And I just had this moment where I was like, wow, you know what? I haven't thought about purpose in the two weeks that we've been on this trip so far. And I was like, well, why do you need to think about purpose if you're like living it? Mm-hmm. And I just had this sort of like realization how important nature was to me, how adventure was to me, how like just being out in the wilderness and really getting to experience that side of life um, and how important that was to me. So uh, when I came back from that, I started a podcast um, called Inspire Campfire and we can get into that or not, um, but it's uh, it's about people's adventure stories. And it's mm-hmm. just really helping me kind of bring out that side of me that appreciates adventure. Um, and so, yeah, so the real estate business has been a tool for me to mm-hmm. fuel that passion for adventure. Um, and so um, like one, one cool thing was that uh, actually for that trip that I was just telling you about, um, I had to do a lot of work um, six months prior to that to figure out how, because we were gone for a month for that trip. And I had mm-hmm. to figure out how I was going to make that trip work and not let the business suffer. So like building systems, putting things into place, making sure that we had the right people into place to cover for us, 
um, that, that became a goal. And so mm-hmm. for six months, it was like, and it, it, it's like a lot of people have the, the thought like, oh, like someday I'll have a team and I'll be able to go away for a month. And I'm telling you, like that was absolutely 100% not the case for me. It was, okay, let's put it on the calendar. Let's book the reservations. Like let's put real money down and, and commit. And then we'll figure out how to create the business that's going to be able to allow us to go. And it, and it absolutely worked because we spent the next six months like, okay, we're going to be gone for a month. Like we're going to need this. We're going to need that. There were systems that we had to document. There was like training that we had to give to our team to make sure that they had the skills. Um, Cause there was a couple of things that only I was doing at that point. So we had to like pass those skills off and train people so that they could do those things. And it was awesome. And then we came back from that trip. And the great thing is once we got back, like things didn't have to go back to the way they were before hmm. we were able to build on that. Um, so I, I don't know. It's kind of cool. So like, yes, the adventure piece has been sort of the carrot at the end of the, uh, the stick. And then the real estate business has been, um, the means to help us get there. Right. And it's kind of like what Brian was talking about on his recent podcast. I don't know. I'm, I don't listen to him in chronological, yeah, chronological yeah, yeah. order sort of thing, but he was talking about his trips to Hawaii and how organized he would get before he takes off. And it kind of gave you a, a you know, kind of like the 12 week year where it's, you know, I have this amount of time to get this much work done for me to get this benefit. And then to your point, you, you kept some of those systems installed. Yeah, so you absolutely. weren't, yeah. So you weren't as locked into the, like the everyday and the, you know what I mean? Because yeah, the systems absolutely. were in place and the machine is working and you've already primed the pump. And so it was kind of a, uh, yeah, which, which is really cool. And I, I can tell you right now, there are a bunch of agents listening that are very interested in a month long vacation without phone calls. You can do it. I'm well, telling you, you just got to like, it's not, it's, you got to just make, make the reservation. Just I'm doing this, just decide you're going to do it. Of course, don't, don't go next week. You need time to build the systems, <laughs> right? Put the stuff into place. But like, it's, it's not about doing the the thing you really want to do once you have what you think you need it's the other way around it's it's make the plans put the deposit down and then you can figure out the how later and that's living i mean that is the good life that isn't that's what we're all chasing yeah one way or the other don't get me wrong you want your business to be system and organized so you don't come home from your month vacation and be like oh that's a foreclosure notice on my door um right but but it can all be done so describe some of those processes that you put in place. It sounds like you moved some things from your responsibility to someone else's. Is that something that you're checking behind? I know you didn't during that month, but I mean, I find that people do what is inspected of them to do, not expected. Um, Ooh, so I love that. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, do we have the system? And then where are those benchmarks where we're going to check it? Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. And like I said, I mean, I, it's funny. I, I was a management consultant before I got into the business and a lot of people would say, and there was like a lot of project management in that. And a lot of people would say to me, like, how do you go from like consulting to real estate? And I was like, it is like the most natural thing. It's all project management. You're just managing, you're managing projects. Like each client mm-hmm. is a project, each investment property, it's a project. It's all the same stuff. But you know, there were things that I learned in consulting about, you know, like, like segmenting the business. And like I said, like from a very early 
place, I, I built like a flow chart that kind of mapped out the segments of our business. And I like, just quickly, I'll share those with you. You know, I mean, we break our business out into four key boxes. Like the first mm -hmm. is lead generation. The second is you've got the lead, you've got to get them to a contract. And then the third is you get them from contract to, co to closing. Right. And then the fourth block is like all the other administrative stuff that has to happen, like bookkeeping and compliance and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you got to get a lead, you got to get them under contract, you got to get them closed. And so we basically took those four things and then segmented each one and started building our systems inside each one of those boxes. So we've got systems for lead generation, we've got systems for getting people under contract, and we've got systems for closing. I think the one for us that's the tightest um, is the closing plan. Most of us have checklists that we like to work off mm -hmm. of. And that's, you know, that's something that we've built and have been working on like since day one. And it's always, it's a, it really is a living document. It's always evolving, but we've got a very complex and uh, detailed closing plan that we use so that, you know, if we need to plug somebody in, we can just give them that document. And it's like literally an instruction manual for how to do their job. Um, so that's, that's just one example. When we went on that trip in 2021, the things that were missing was at that point I was handling pretty much all of the listings. Mm -hmm. So my team was structured in, su in such a way that the agents on our team were buyer agents, but Scott was doing most of the listing presentations. And, um, so I knew that I had six months essentially to, and, and the agents on my team were super competent. Like I, that's something I held on to. I'll just tell you, I, I held on to it way too long, like super competent. Like they could very well have done this, but just to make sure that everybody was sort of following the process that, um, and the standard that I had felt like I wanted people to, to live up to, we needed to build a training program so that we could make sure that all of our agents had the training that they needed to be able to go do listing appointments while I was gone. And so that was really cool. So part of it was like putting together a listing training program and then taking the agents through that listing training program and getting them up to speed so that when I left, you know, if somebody needed to get a house on the market quickly, we had competent people that could go take care of it for them. And, and people, not a person. It's not Correct. like you said, Bob is the best agent. We'll train him. You were like, all right, all four of you know this now. Talk amongst yourselves while I'm gone. And yes, definitely. But, but I mean, for anybody listening, like you don't have to, like, it could have just, it could have easily just been one person. And I have like, we've run a hundred days to greatness many times with just one person. And like, you know, no question that program is way better when there's more than one person and because of the synergy and stuff. But, mm -hmm. you know, just because you only have one person doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Like you still got to do the training. We've done plenty of training programs with it where it's just one-on-one. -on -one. Actually, that's, that's a really good pointer there. Cause oftentimes you'll go into like, I'm in like a two twelve, which is a B and I type thing. And if, if it, there's too few people, they, they throw the whole format out. Yeah. Right. They're like, no, oh, we're just going to get really casual and then, and rather than having the formal training and going through all the steps and making sure that everybody knows everything, like they, they literally throw out the whole format because there aren't enough people to do it. And I think you got to do the steps. I think, I think you're totally right on that. Like going through it and saying, this is the process. This is what we're doing. I would add one more box to your system though, if it were me, like, what do we do after we close on the house? Obviously, we're going back to lead gen, yep. but I think that we have to introduce them to our database and introduce them to our systems and introduce them to kind of like what life is like in the community once you've already done it. Totally, and, yeah. and part of that step is 
absolutely going to be to refer us to the next client. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, for, but I would. So for us, it's kind of like that circular thing where it goes right. back to lead generator. But yeah, but you're, but absolutely, I, I like that idea. Yeah, no, no, and and that I figured that as much. I just that's something that we were working on is like lead gen. I'm talking to you about your next house, and they're not going to want to talk about that because they just bought it. Yeah. But if I can introduce them to like these are this is how life is because for us for me it's a it's a network it's like. My clients all know each other. They're friends with each other because they've been going to these parties and all the things that we're doing for so long that it's like now I'm introducing you to what it's like beyond the deal, right? Beyond the deal, we're still going to be here. But I but I needed that conscious like, you know, like we have hot warms and colds in our in our database, right? Yep. Well, you were hot. Now we've closed. You're not out of the database, but you're definitely on a different level. Like, you're not going to want to hear from me as much. Don't get me wrong. That 30 days after the deal, the ether is still pretty strong there. But at some point, they need to know, okay, you know, I'm going to get back to you. and that, But it's not going to be as urgent and as immediate and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. And they need to know that it's their job to send you other clients at that point. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, that, that, should, that should be in every single one of those boxes, right. right? Right. Like, I did a good job. And, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it's interesting. I was talking to Earl who you probably know, uh-huh. uh, Endrich, and he was talking about, uh, he's like, man, I give him a number. He's like, I, I'm like, by the end of this, I need two deals from you. He's like, and literally they'll come to you at the end and say, well, I got you one and I'm working on the other one that sort of thing. As opposed to saying, do you know anyone? And they're like, no. And then they're done. He's literally going as far as to say, I need two deals from the, by the end of this transaction, you need to give me two people that would be interested in my level of service or yeah, something. I love like that. that. And he's awesome. And I mean, and he kills it because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Just very, very intentional. Yeah. How do you add people to your database? Cause I, I would imagine you're, you're, we were talking about authenticity. We were talking about the adventures and that sort of thing. I would imagine when the, you go on an adventure with somebody, you're going to get pretty tight with them. And now you, you clearly have something else to talk to them about aside from real estate. Right. Is that some of the play? Do you intentionally join groups like that where you have common interests or are you doing something else for it? Yeah, it's funny because um, like when I read that question this morning, so I'm very analytical and I, mm-hmm. I, my previous career was like management consulting, but it was like technology. So when I read that question, I was like thinking like how like I physically go into the system and like enter the data into the system. I'm like, okay, that's probably not what he's asking. No, like, that's not what I, mean. I, had to, I had to check myself. My, my um, assistant might want to know that, but I, yeah, that's right. it wouldn't do me a lot um, of good. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it, honestly, I think it changes over the course of your career. Um, I think that, and then I think, I think that different members of my team um, add people differently. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that where, personally I am with my database right now is sometimes I feel like I'm not doing a good enough job staying connected with my very best people. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I feel like going out and trying to connect with new people is actually not the best use of my time because I'm not even doing a good job with the people that I've already got. You know, it's the whole acres of diamonds things. Like I need to make sure that I'm taking good care of of the people closest to me before Mm -hmm. I go out and join groups and do all that. But I definitely remember a time um, early on when I was like, that's all I was doing was joining groups. Like I remember um, 
in when we first got started, I joined a Toastmasters group because I know mm-hmm. I needed to like meet new people. And at that same time, I wanted to sort of kill two birds with one stone. I didn't feel like I felt like my I was horrified of public speaking. Like it still makes me nervous, but like that um, was something that a skill that I wanted to build. So I'm like, okay, I can meet people and I can do this. And so I went and I did that. And what was cool about that Toastmasters group was I was in that I, there's like a curriculum that they take you through and you do these speeches. And I and I was in that program for three years. And didn't get that many referrals in those three years. But now, 20 years later, there's like five or six people that were in that club that are A pluses that are like continuously giving me one or two deals a year because we built that relationship over time. And I can give you like lots of other examples. I've done like a, a long time ago, I did a sprint triathlon and I joined this training group and I was with like 15 different people and we were training for this triathlon. And, um, you know, there were people in that group that I ended up um, buying houses with. And then for people that don't want to exercise, they don't want to personally improve themselves through public speaking. One of my favorites was I had a poker group that I was in. And this is just a group (laughs) of dudes that got together and played poker. And it was super fun. It was just, we're just hanging out. But at one point, I remember looking around the room and going, holy cow, like every single person in this room has worked with me to buy or sell a house. Like, how cool is that? And that was like, and that's just like people like just hanging out, you know? And um, that's like, that's like the real testimony. Like these are just people that I care about. Uh, mm-hmm. Wasn't like trying, to, I wasn't trying to make that happen, but I remember sitting back one day and just looking like, wow, I feel so grateful that every single person here trusted me to help them with one of the biz- biggest decisions that they're ever going to make. And you hung out with them enough that they knew who you truly were and made that choice. It wasn't like I needed somebody right then and you were there and there was that great W sign. Yeah. So I was all about that, you know? Yeah. You know what though? I'd have to add a caveat there though, because um, this is something like when I was in consulting, um, I, I had that role. Okay. And a lot of what we did, um, you know, I, I mentioned that I traveled a lot. So a lot of the people that I worked with in my home city of Charlotte didn't actually, we worked for the same company, but we weren't at the same clients. And so a lot of them didn't know me from a work environment. They only mm-hmm. knew me from like the happy hours and the Fridays when we got back and we were all like, we'd all meet up at the bars or whatever. And so they knew that Scott. And so when I left and I got into real estate, I remember like a lot of those people that I worked with that knew me as a management consultant and didn't know me as a real estate agent were a little bit skeptical. Like, I don't like this, you know, he's this, he's new. He's, he's, you know, I don't like, I know him from a totally different world. I don't know if I want to work with this person as my real estate agent. I like him, but you know, I don't, he's, he's new. He doesn't have any experience. And so there was like this mix, like it took time to convert those people. And, and eventually I did, but like when I was newer, a lot of the time I felt like it was easier to go connect with people that never met. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. That that didn't know that other, because there's no like and trust. Right. And so they're like, I I know him. I like him. I don't know if I trust that yet because I think of him here. So you probably got a little too crazy at that happy hour and they were thinking of that. No. Maybe that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that, but it's also the, it's the competence thing too, right? Like, you know, he doesn't have the experience yet. Right. I mean, and that's kind of the perception. And so that competence had to get built over time through consistency. And consistency seems to be key. I mean, 
it's kind of like we're figuring out how to pay our bills this month to get to the to the next thing, right? Like just being consistent over the time and being in the business and continuing to win and continuing to sell and continuing to have people come back and say, hey, look, no, I had a great experience is kind of how you get to that tipping point. If, does, does that make sense? Is that something that you've experienced? It does hundred percent. In fact, like, I think one of the, one of the questions, um, I don't remember exactly which one it was, but I mean, consistency was going to be my answer. Like consistency is probably the number one thing. Um, I think that's, that's, that makes this system work. Like if you do this for a little bit and then you stop doing it, like, then you have to rebuild the consistency definitely builds up. And, but that's, it's not just like the notes, calls and Popeye system. It's with investing. It's with, it's with everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the question would have been, what's one tip you would do working the system that you would give to someone consistency. Right. There it is. I just yeah. wanted you to feel like you got you go. all the questions. <laughs> I didn't want you to feel like I shortchanged you. There you go. Um, so what's your favorite quote? Just so, in general, because you're a, you're a self, you know. Yeah, there's so there's so many. I think there's so many that that there's so many different directions that I could go. Like the one that that was coming to me earlier today as I was like reading through the list of questions. Um, I'm going to go with Joseph Campbell, and he said, "Follow your bliss." Okay, I like and, that one. Uh, and that's and that one really speaks to me today and at this point in my life. It's you know, again, it kind of comes back to the authenticity. It's like really paying attention to, um, what's going on inside of you, right. And not worrying so much about what other people think and what other people expect. And again, like learning to become who you are and following your own inner desire and bliss as he would call it, right. That the, the feeling of being alive, like what is it that makes you really feel alive? and following that as opposed to trying to live up to some standard that other people ha expect for you. And that's hard to do in this world. Well, it's hard to know. Like it, it I feel like it's hard to find, to, to chase it the way you're describing it, but even knowing yourself well enough to know what that bliss is, yeah. I, I feel like takes a lot of work. It does. It, it's like every just single to be day. That self-aware and you are the decisions you make. So you know what I mean? Every day you choose who you are. I, I feel like that's very true. So it's not now you're pre-wired to be this way or that way a little bit. But at the same time, you make a conscious effort and a conscious choice. And, and that's that's how you get to where you're where you're headed. I agree. Like with you you. It, it is a choice. We build habits that make it harder. But mm -hmm. like part of the choice is to recognize the habits that are taking you away from that person that you want to be and the habits that are moving you towards the person that you want to be. And then focusing right. on which ones you want to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and yes, we're this show is all about building a business and, and talking about business stuff. But I think that this part is very important too, because you're choosing that as well. Like we're choosing to to work eighty hours a week, or we're choosing to say, all right, well, I'm going to get smarter. I'm going to learn this and that, and 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 control my business instead of let my business control me. Does that make sense? There's no question. And, and I'll share with you something um, that that happened to me last year that I thought was it was just kind of a, a sort of a trigger for me on this subject. Um, but there was a guy who had uh, more life experience than me. 
but was new to the real estate business. So I kind of felt like, you know, that I was talking to somebody that could impart a lot of wisdom and somebody that I could learn from, but it was a symbiotic relationship because he could learn from me in the real estate business because he had just gotten in. And I remember it was like November maybe. And he said, so how's your year shaping up? And this was a year, this was last year. And this was a year, or sorry, it was 2022. This was a year where I'd done some incredible things. I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I traveled with a group of people to the kingdom of Bhutan. I had like all these incredible things that happened to me in 2022. But yet when he asked that question, the first thing that I thought of was like where my business was financially. And 2022, 2022 was one of the worst years I'd had in like six years. And what came out of my mouth was, yeah, it's uh, my, my worst year since 2022. And then I heard myself say that and I'm like, what is the matter with you? Like, this was one of the best years of my life. And this yardstick that you're using in this conversation with this person is that it was the worst year in six years. Like, it just, it made me kind of like recognize, like, we've got to be really clear on what success actually means because it's not all about the money. Well, it definitely isn't. And it's also, I... I find, and I don't want to sound like the grumpy old man, but I find that a lot of the, a lot of things that they're, they're putting out there about success is like sitting on a beach, right? Like that's what they're saying. Okay. Once you made it, you're going to go lay here. How long can you sit on a beach? <laughs> that's, right, that's right. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm yeah. with you. I, I like the adventure. I like, let's go yeah. do something fun. But, but part of the adventure of doing that fun thing is like, we're going to get this much done in our business. Cool. And now we get to go sit on the beach and we're going to celebrate that. And that's going to be fun. But the idea of like, we're not going to do anything all day, every day. It's not success to me. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it does. And, but, and, and I think that the important thing is, is that success is different for everybody. And yes. I think again, like kind of coming back to that authenticity is like really getting to know what success means to you, not anybody else. Cause I think a lot of times we do get caught up in somebody else's definition of success Mm-hmm. And maybe we even live somebody else's definition of success. And then we realize like, that's not my definition. So I think it's really important that we get clear on what our own definition is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, and, and that in itself is work, right? Like that in itself is like thinking thought, you know, yeah. you're not looking, you're not scrolling on the internet. You're, you're actually thinking about, you know, the way you feel yeah. and defining that and that sort of thing. Yeah. What is your biggest takeaway from an event? It doesn't have to be a Buffini event, any event, which I'm sure yours is going to be like epic, amazing. Like we were walking across the desert and. Oh, man. That's a, I mean, that's a, that's a powerful question. And I could, I could go in a lot of, a lot of ways with that one too. But um, man, the one I'm sharing, or I guess I want to share is um, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And, um, there's a few things we had an unbelievable guide on that trip. He had climbed the mountain like 500 times. And so we felt very safe with him. He knew what he was doing. We knew he was going to be able to take good care of us. But, um, in Swahili, if you ever go to Tanzania and climb Mount Kilimanjaro, they have a saying, they say pole pole. And that means slowly, slowly. And so the thing about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro is you're going up to almost 20,000 feet and the altitude will get you. And if you don't go slowly, you'll, 
you know, first of all, you won't have time to acclimatize. You'll run out of breath. Like you can get sick. Like a lot of like big time athletes that are super competitive, try to like zip up the mountain and they don't make it because they go too fast. Mm -hmm. Um, so slowly, slowly is very important. <laughs> and I think that that's like, that's a really big life lesson is like, it's okay to slow down. You don't have to rush mm -hmm. through everything. Um, but the other big takeaway climbing that mountain was on the very last day of that climb. We started at midnight. Um, we climbed, this is like when you do the summit, you, 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 you get up at like 1130 at night, you start the climb at about midnight and you start walking up the mountain and um, you climb until about seven or eight o'clock in the morning The sun comes up and you finally reach the summit. But I got to tell you, it was really, really hard. Uh, and my mind was doing all these crazy things. And the only thing that I could do to like stop those crazy thoughts and the feelings of nausea and the sickness was to breathe and count my breath. So I would take really deep breaths, inhale, exhale, and I would count. And I counted my breath. I counted every exhale from one to 10. Or so I counted exhales one until 10. And then I started mm -hmm. over. And if I stopped counting in my mind, like that gave my mind space to think about all kinds of other crazy things. Like I'm not going to make it. Like how can you spend all this money and come all the way here and not make it to the top and like all this pressure. And then there's feelings of nausea and cold and all these other things, but you just kept breathing. And literally for six and a half hours, I counted my breath hmm. and it's, it's, the life lesson that I learned there was that like, no matter how, how hard things can get, like sometimes we can talk ourselves out of things. And if we can just breathe and go slowly and like keep our mind from going into those negative places, you can accomplish anything. So that's one. I don't know how much that relates to like the real estate conversation, but since I've been back, like I use it all the time. Like if I find myself in a difficult situation and I'm stressed or something's not going my way, I'll just count breaths for a little while. And then those negative thoughts will come back down and like, I can keep going. And it's pretty amazing. Hmm. Maybe not the counting breaths, but the moving slowly and thinking through things, I think could definitely apply to real estate. Yeah, totally. Like how, how often do you, you have a couple of slow weeks and, you know, and that's unlike you and your normal business and you go, all right, well, I'm going to go buy Zillow leads and, or I'm going to, you know, go to the next shiny thing because clearly versus going, all right, just keep doing the system slowly, slowly, you know, the whole underestimate what we can do, overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what you can do in 10 years. I feel like all of those would apply to that nicely. I think, I think you could definitely tie that in. Yeah, totally. What would your superpower be? And you could take this either way. You could say, what what current skill do you have that would be a superpower or what would you like it to be? Mm. Man, well, um, I, I have been told that I ask good questions. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that stems from just a natural curiosity about people, really. Um, I've always I've always had a curiosity. I think... Um, up until recently, I've just kind of kept them inside and been like, like, I don't want to be annoying or like, that's a stupid question. And I might've been like more afraid to like ask those questions, but I think, um, like just a curiosity and, and, and asking questions. Um, 
you know, I don't know if I'm going to save the planet like Superman with that superpower. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do enjoy, I'm very analytical. Um, I'm very reflective and, you know, asking questions is mm-hmm. like, is one of the ways that I learn about people. Um, and I just find that just really, really interesting and, and helpful to understand. Cause the thing is like in, in life, like we only get to know what's going inside, what's going on inside of ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't like we're, we're sitting here having a conversation and I can watch you and it feels like we're connecting, but like, I'll never know what's going on inside Danny. I'm Danny Hicks. Welcome to the Not-So-Secret Agent Podcast, where we learn from top real estate agents how they maintain a thriving business. I think that's all big. I also find point. that people, they say that, uh, you know, you, you want to know what's going on, ask, ask good questions and then ask the next question, right? That goes back to like that nin- ninja sales thing. Totally, yeah. The most interesting guy in the world is the one that's interested in you. Like it's way more valuable to be interested than interesting, that sort of thing. And it's also going to be way more helpful because knowing what you're thinking is not going to help you sell a house. Knowing where they're coming from and what they're concerned about in the transaction, that could help. Knowing, you know, that there's an underground oil tank and getting that ahead of time, that might help. Uh, just, you know, dumb examples like that. Uh, those are not dumb examples. Those are fantastic examples. And those are questions we must be asking <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, you're, you're kind of reading them and then asking the next question kind of thing. And I think being good at that, like if you want, if you want to know more about them, ask better questions, right? If you want to know whether you're truly connecting, because you also only get a certain amount of time with a client. Yeah. Right. So if you're not, if you're, if you're launching into your spiel about how many houses you've sold in that neighborhood or something like that, instead of asking where they're coming from and what they're worried about and then addressing that, I think the attention span they say is like 10 to 15 minutes of them actually listening. Yeah, for sure. So, I'm, I'm a big fan of the um, Donald Miller story brand book. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, that's, you know, what you're talking about right now. I'm like, when you're asking questions, you're like, you know, we're making our client the hero of the story. Like I, yeah. I, I love the idea of being the guide. I don't want to be the hero. I want to be the guide and let them be the hero. Like that's to me, that kind of lights me up. And I think like, you know, I'd like to think that a good guide asks questions to find out about the hero so they can help the hero get what the hero wants. Mm-hmm. I mean, that goes like I tell clients all the time, you know, like I, I'm here to help you do this. You're doing it. I'm not doing it. So basically my job is, you know, to, to, to help you make good decisions to provide information for you to make decisions and then help you execute on those decisions. Yeah, for sure. But you're buying and selling. It's not me. Like, and that comes into the investment thing. When we're flipping a house and I hear an agent go, yeah, I flipped that one. And I'm like, well, do you own it? And they're like, no, my client does. And I'm like, well, then you didn't flip it because when this market shifts, (laughs) you don't want them to say, well, you flipped it. You made all the decisions and now this thing didn't sell. You want to say, you know, these are the popular countertops that I'm seeing in investment properties that fall within this price point. Which one of these do you want to pick? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and really dissecting that and asking them where they're going and what they're thinking and making sure that they are thinking of the next step and the next couple of steps before they pull the trigger and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, for sure. I think that's super helpful. Well, I am sure that you and I will have many, many more conversations, especially if I, I can so. uh, talk awesome. to my wife. <laughs> I was going to say, especially just... if I can talk my wife into a certain trip. 
Yeah, uh, we're just getting proposed. started here. This is awesome. Yeah, no, I'm really, really excited. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I am definitely going to be listening to your podcast some more, uh, which is uh, which is an excellent break. Tell everybody where they can find you and what market you serve so they can send their business to you. Yeah, thank you, Danny. And thank you for having me. This was really fun. And I actually am I'm, I'm feeling good and energized and I'm excited to continue the conversation. Um, I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, you can find me at wrealtygroup.com and you can find us on Instagram, Facebook at wrealtygroup. Um, and if you're interested in the adventure side, you can also find me at Inspire Campfire. Very cool. Thank you so much for doing this. mission, should you choose to accept it, is to apply this information to your business immediately. This message will not self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, agents.